It's January. Time for a snow day. This week we're going to have snow much fun. Stay tuned. Professor Theo's Mystery Lab. I'm Professor Theo. Welcome to the lab. I'm broadcasting from the campus of Splendid University in beautiful, wondrous, mysterious, splendid West Virginia, home to kid superheroes and so much more. We look to them this week on what should have been just an ordinary old, fun, old-fashioned snow day. But this is splendid, so of course, this day ended up being so much more. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Snow much fun? May there be snow days in your future, kids, and may they be filled with the joy of sleeping in and sledding hot cocoa and warm soup, snowball fights, and so much more. But be careful what you wish for, listeners. Have you ever heard of having too much of a good thing? Young ones all over Splendid did the snow dance, wished for it to snow and snow and snow, and snow it did. All they wanted was a day off school. They got so much more. The first flakes flew at 4 a.m., and in just under two hours, Splendid was blanketed deep in snow. School was canceled. Youth everywhere bundled to stay warm, braved slick sidewalks and frigid winds to toss snowballs and build igloos. Oh, what fun! We're in West Virginia, no stranger to snow days here, to be sure. This wasn't just any old snow day, though. The snow just kept coming down. By lunch, there was over a foot of white stuff on the ground. By dinner time, two feet of snow had brought Splendid to a complete standstill, and that's just what he wanted. The Blizz was a grizzled old man with icicles, sharp icicles for a beard, and skin a stone-cold bluish tint from head to toe. He came from Mount Everest, the highest mountain above sea level in the whole world, and a half a world away from West Virginia. What possessed him to come here I do not know. I did not know. Now I do. What was at first a fun, playful snow day turned quite dangerous when snow totals reached three feet the following morning. Three feet of snow. Most were stuck inside, some without electricity. The power lines had been brought down under the weight of so much snow and ice. But the freakiest part was yet to come. 
It started with a bunch of tiny snowmen. Now, there were snowmen all over town. Kids had been building snowmen all day, but these snowmen were different. They were moving on their own, and they seemed agitated, angry, with beady red eyes and frowns. They moved about the town, frightening everyone. Then it came. The tiny snowmen were one thing. They looked strange from outside the window, but then our house began to vibrate, shake violently, thud, thud. Thud. We could hear screams of our neighbors, and when my son Buck, my wife Presley, my dog Barnum, and I looked out our living room window again, what we saw was more than just small, scary snowmen milling about. What we saw was a giant snowman. It had to be a hundred feet high, the height of a ten-story building. I don't think that's a friendly neighborhood snowman, Buck said, and I concurred. The snowman scowled and walked slowly, methodically, crushing cars and mailboxes and even a whole gas station in its wake. Every so often a chunk of snow would fall from the giant beast and splat on the ground below, and when it did, it would instantly take the form of a regular-sized snowman only one that could move about and scowl like their much larger counterpart. There's a whole army of snowmen! We're doomed! Buck shrieked. Instantly, Mandy Magic appeared behind us. She had teleported from her place to ours, and she set out on a plan with Buck. The two kid superheroes set out to find their friends Robert Robertson and Nick Newton, fellow kid superheroes, and the quartet would endeavor to once again save the day. I went to my lab to do any research that I could that might be helpful against this unknown creature. While Presley and Barnum were set on doing some investigations of their own, none of us would make it far. The Blizz haggard, cold, evil old man that he was, was in our home and had us trapped. Meanwhile, Buck attempted to use his super strength against the giant snowman, but the poor boy just flew right through the big thing. The snowman was completely unharmed, except for a buck-shaped hole that stretched from its stomach through to its back. Nick Newton, force field extraordinaire, was able to trap some of the mini snowmen in large bubbles, but there were too many of them, and he was eventually overrun. Teleporting everyone out of harm's way was not really an option for Mandy Magic. Everyone was already tucked away inside hiding, though she attempted all sorts of trickery to distract and disempower the gargantuan snowman. She tried card tricks pulling a rabbit out of a hat, all to no avail. The snowman was not amused. It was Robert Robertson, technology whiz, who was the first to do some damage. He had invented a heat ray 
that was able to melt off bits and pieces of the giant snowman one by one, but each part just fell to the ground and became a smaller soldier in the snowman army. Slowly but surely, the town was overrun. All of splendid inhabitants frozen solid by the giant snowman or his minions. All but the Blizz himself, who had taken over my lab as I sat frozen, helpless, just a few feet away. He was looking through my files, searching for something. It was the Pangea Stone which he eventually found at the splendid university library. Remember, there are seven stones. The Blizz already has one of them. It's frozen at the core of Mount Everest, and it is from that stone he draws his power. The Blizz went to the splendid university library and took our Pangea stone, adding to his collection. Now, in the hands of this frozen villain, that stone has been on display at the splendid library for decades. The Blizz and his army left, left with the Pangea stone, and left all of us frozen, left us to wither away to nothing. Luckily, one of this town's inhabitants of thousands was not frozen. His name was Nick Newton, and he had barricaded himself in one of his own force fields just moments before the giant snowman lobbed a giant snowball right at him. That was the tactic that they had used that had worked on everyone else, freezing us all solid. But Nick was okay, safe in his own bubble. Once he was sure it was all clear and that he could come out, he did so, and he set his sights on unfreezing everyone, all about the town, one at a time. He located Robert first and thawed him out with his own warming ray. Thankfully, he had the sense to turn the power down a good bit. He could have melted Robert completely. Robert and Nick then took turns thawing out splendid billions one at a time. Thankfully, everyone was okay. Just a bit chilled. Chilled. <laughs> he took the stone. Buck was shocked, as was everyone, especially Splendid University Librarian Mrs. Wilson, who had procured that Pangea stone on her own decades ago, who had kept it safe under her watch, on display right there in the library. And now, it was gone. You know, when you're frozen solid, you can still hear. I didn't know that until it happened to me. How would I? But the blizz was just a few feet away. I could hear his rumblings. He's one of the natural disasters. A blizzard is a severe storm with lots of snow and wind and little to no visibility. There are to be seven different natural disasters, I believe he said. They're in search of sacred Pangea stones, and apparently word had gotten out that we had one right here in Splendid. When he, or they, realized that the one on display in the library here at Splendid, the one they took, is a fake, a diversion, they'll be quite angry. 
and they'll be back, and we may not be able to stop them next time. I had long heard tales of a Pangea stone hidden deep in Mount Everest. It has to be him, the Blizz. What do we do, Dad? The kid superheroes would simply have to travel there, catch him off guard, take him on, stand up to him, find the source of his power, and snuff it out before it's too late. Buck agreed, rallied his three friends, and made plans for travel. You're not going anywhere without me, a voice bellowed. It was a voice I hadn't heard in quite a while. It was Tracy Thompson. She had returned with her brother Tanner and their friend Max, and a prisoner, Mr. X. Tracy was excited to get right back to work. I can help, she said, enthusiastically. The five kid superheroes embraced, happy to be back together again, and determined in the face of the giant task in front of them. They are gone now, listeners. The best we can do as their parents is to raise them to be ready to stand up and make their own way in this world. And that is what they have set out to do. Tanner and Max delivered X to splendid prison, finally, and said goodbye to their superhero friends who were off to Mount Everest. I'm here, awaiting word, any news at all of their success or failure, and as soon as I know more, I will pass it on to you, listeners. Along, of course, with the tale of how Tanner, Tracy, and Max finally cornered and captured Mr. X. And I have a feeling this isn't X's final chapter. But those are most certainly stories for another day. That's all for this week. Listeners, we'll be back soon. Soon, Splendid hosts the big game. Yes, that big game. The biggest football game of the year. And in February next month, I have a Valentine's special lined up for you with two new stories about friendship, kindness, and love. And also a President's Day special featuring our time-traveling teens. In the meantime, be good to each other. And have a wild and wonderful week. Professor Theo's Mystery Lab is written and read by Jonathan Joy. And Levi Joy. I'm Rissy Joy, the proud wife and mother of these two. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Spread the word. Tell a friend. If you don't, Professor Theo might shrink you and box you up with the Christmas Village. If he could do that type of thing, I mean... Also, please consider supporting this project by making a small monthly pledge at ProfessorTheo.com. You can email our family at theprofessortheo at gmail.com or tweet at us at Theo underscore mystery. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week.